0: All right, guys. Well, today we are going deep. I mean, we're going to have a deep conversation. I think it's going to be really helpful for you. My hope is that it's really thought-provoking for you. And here's what we're talking about. Today we're tackling hidden fear. Hidden fear. Now, I know you're probably going, what even is that? We're going to explore it in a moment. But one of the things that I've come to realize over my years of ministry is how phenomenally powerful fear is. And I'm not just talking about horror movie type fear. That's a certain type of fear, but there's all, there's actually as much nuance in fear as there is in happiness, right? Sometimes when we're feeling happy, it's really contentment. Sometimes it's, it's like a bubbling joy. Sometimes it's a sweetness. Sometimes it's a laughter type You know, we're being amused type happiness. There's all different kinds of nuance in happiness. And in the same way, there's a lot of variation in fear. Fear is not just wondering if a murderer just broke into your house and that feeling of adrenaline that rises up in you. I got to tell you a really funny story. Speaking of murderers breaking into your house, um, I've been telling the story recently because it's just so funny. But a couple of years ago, my husband was out of town and he was driving home and I had been talking to him around... 11 o'clock at night and I knew he was about an hour away. I knew what time he was gonna be coming in the door and all of that. Well, we hung up the phone and I actually fell asleep. And I guess I had fallen asleep into such a deep slumber that when he came in the door, pretty much right on the dot of when he said he would come, I was convinced I was being murdered. And it is one of the funniest moments of our marriage, even though it was horrifying in that moment, because the lights were off and when he opened the door, all I could see was an outline of a man's figure And I started screaming. I'm talking about bloody murder, screaming, shrieking. I wasn't saying like, no, 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 or anything like that. But I just was screaming. And he started laughing because... I think we both in that moment knew what was happening and he just couldn't get over the fact that we had talked on the phone some 40 minutes earlier and here I am thinking he's here to kill me. It was actually a really funny moment. He started flipping the lights on and off because I couldn't wake myself up out of this semi hallucinogenic state. And uh, anyways, it was a real, real great moment. So don't know why I told you that, but hope you got a good chuckle from some of the inner workings of my weirdness. So we're talking about fear and we're not talking about that kind of fear. It's interesting. I think as believers and as people, we kind of love fear. I mean, think about it for just a second. We kind of feel secure with fear. We kind of let fear be a friend more often than not. Fear is usually the feeling of protection, Like we feel comforted when we feel afraid because it causes us to stop and be a little cautious, to be a little slower in our actions so that we quote, think things through and all of that. And what I've noticed is the life of a believer is supposed to truly be fearless. It's supposed to be not connected to fear at all, but I think the human condition really does love fear. Why do I say it like that? Because in the Bible, there are 365 verses that say specifically, do not be afraid in different variations, but that's the theme. 365 verses in the Bible speak to the human condition to be afraid and God saying in my presence, there is no need to fear. Of course, we know the famous one, perfect love casts out fear, the First John verse, where it talks about God has given us a sound mind. He has given us, um, really, he has not given us fear. He's given us power um, in, in our mind and all of that. And I love that that is our reality. That's what's available to us. But what I'm realizing is how few people actually live that way. How many of us actually live in a way where we believe there's no room for fear in our relationship with God? I mean, that's a big question. But if God is saying over and over through scripture in so many encounters with people, don't be afraid of what I want to do in your life, then there's something in the human condition and maybe in the flesh response that when God shows up, we want to be afraid. I mean, Adam and Eve had a similar experience. They ran after they sinned and they hid themselves in the garden because they didn't know what God was going to do, how he was going to respond. That's actually a type of fear. In fact, it's a type of fear that I think a lot of us have. We don't know how to acknowledge it as fear, but deep down inside, there is this sort of lurking question of what is God thinking about my life? What is he thinking about my actions? In my book, You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It, which I put out last year, I make the statement, and I wanna mention it here, that we have a tendency to have these questions that stay at a passive aggressive level. Like we don't present them to the Lord And because we don't present them to God, then we stay in the realm of suspicion where we're not really sure what does God think about my question. For example, if you're Adam and Eve and you just ate the fruit and you have no idea what's going to happen because God had said some pretty big things about that tree. In our suspicion, we think maybe God will do this or this or this. And so our fear becomes a protective mechanism where we want to hide ourselves from God. In the other books of the Old Testament, there's lots of other stories where God is talking to his people, he's sending an angel to interact with them, and there's fear as the first response from them. I tell you all of this not to say um, that we should never have fear in us, but to recognize that we all have fear at some level. Fear actually hides in us as believers and it masks itself into a lot of other categories, into a lot of other emotions, but at the heart of it really is fear. I heard a psychologist say last year uh, a really interesting statement about anger and they were talking about how when someone is angry and they're raging, more often than not, what's fueling that rage is not actually anger, it's fear. There is something they're feeling afraid of. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's, um, you know, a pattern of wounding that's resurfacing. Maybe it's helplessness. Whatever it may be, there's a fear there that's fueling that anger to come out. That would be a great example of the hidden fears that we're talking about today. Sometimes we use what we would say in air quotes is wisdom, um, and it's worldly wisdom. It's not godly wisdom. And it's being driven from the source of fear. For example, when God is calling you to step out and do something really risky, that's, that's for faith. That's like, you know, it's an obedience to a calling that he's put before you. All of a sudden we can start having all of these wise thoughts, quote, wise thoughts that say, well, we should take it slow. We should, you know, really get about nine confirmations before we verify that that was God? Well, maybe we should wait for that angelic encounter before we decide that you know the three times I heard God say the exact same thing from other people was true and it sounds like wisdom, but it's really fear that's driving it. Here's the thing. when God tells us in first John that he has no fear in him, that perfect love casts out fear. He is perfect love. So what does this mean? There is no fear in God then that becomes an opportunity for us to rid ourselves of any place of fear. One of the biggest things that believers struggle with, that Christians struggle with, is the fear of God's retaliation, like his wrath. But the thing is that the Bible is really clear in multiple different scriptures that God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. He dumped it all out. He doesn't have any left. One preacher I like always says, what's the Greek word for all? Well, it's all. We can try our best to find a way to believe God still has this extra reserve of wrath he's waiting to pour out on me, but it's just not true. So when we get honest about the fears that are hiding inside of us, we can get honest about where we really are with God, because the truth about fear is that it's in the place of trust. Your fear that's lurking inside of you, that's going unrecognized, unnoticed, unnamed, it's really sitting where trust is supposed to be with the Lord. Now, full disclosure, I've been on this becoming fearless journey for several years and where I am today is dramatically better than where I ever have been in my past. So I'm standing here or sitting here really in your car or wherever you're listening to say to you that it is possible to make strides to fear less in your life. And it's worth it because what you're trading is you're trading fear for trust. I'm not talking about just blind trust. The thing is Faith is, is something that we can exercise and turn on and off, but trust is earned and it's earned with God as well. I genuinely believe that God, um, or he likes us to earn trust with him and vice versa. Let me put it a different way. God will lead you in a way where he is looking at your trustworthiness and he is expecting you and absolutely open to you, gauging his trustworthiness at all at at the same time, because trust is not something that we just evoke or invoke or just automatically have and have it in strength. I mean, think about it. When you walk into a new room and you're meeting people for the first time, you don't just blindly trust them all with your bank account information and a debit card and your PIN number and all of that. Why? Because trust is earned. You got to have some conversations with people, see the patterns that are going on in their life. You might be thinking God doesn't do this with us, but listen, it's in the Bible that he who is faithful in the little becomes ruler over much. What does that mean? God is looking to see if you're being trustworthy with what he's given to you. The parable of the talents is the same. God is saying, I want to invest something into you and everybody gets a little bit. But when you choose when you choose to steward it well and you become more trustworthy, you get more. That's just how it is. More anointing, more authority, more um, of a measure of the gifting that you have, more depth of revelation, whatever the case may be, when you choose to be faithful with what you have, you get more in the kingdom. And so God is gauging trust with us and he is absolutely saying, come and test me. Come and see that I am trustworthy in your life as well. This is a thing I think we miss as believers because we're kind of convinced that, you know, at any given point, God can rain down a hailstorm and lightning bolts and we'd be done. And so we kind of walk with trepidation when he's asking us to do something in faith. But that's not really the life of a believer. Why? Because there's no wrath left in God and his perfect love gets rid of fear. It's like it's so heavy in the atmosphere that fear can't stand in the room anymore. And when we're standing in that place, then we have all that's left. We have trust. It's just trust that's left between us and the Lord. And we're going, it's not blind trust. We're actually saying, I do genuinely trust you, God. You have brought me through this and this and this and this, and you have been faithful to me in this. And when you promised this and you fulfilled it, wow. And that's where we can say, I trust you. This is why dealing with our hidden fear is important. Because your fear, again, it's sitting in the same place where your trust should be. And it's it's wearing a mask. It's pretending. It's trying to get you to not see that it's there. So we know that fear doesn't come from God. So where does it come from? My personal opinion is fear is a condition of the flesh, but it's also a tactic of the enemy. I know that a lot of people in parenting, you know, use fear as a motivator um but i just want to say in any area of life fear is not a good motivator it's not fear is like when you say to your kid it's like threats right like if you keep doing this then this is going to happen and you try to pick something that they're afraid of that they don't want to have happen so that they'll come in line and you know in certain occasions that might be it might work but as a general rule To be motivated by fear is to create your ethos of your life, like the whole system of how you operate in life. It's to create that off of the kingdom of the flesh and the kingdom of darkness. That's not what we want, right? Love is genuinely a more powerful motivator than fear. Because at the end of the day, we can talk ourselves out of fear. We can rationalize. We can decide that we're not going to be led by fear. But love is something that gets like deep into our veins. When we love God, when we love his people, it motivates us in a different way than fear ever could. I liken it to this, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think this is a really powerful and sort of offensive statement that fear or worry is worship that's demonic. When we're worrying, we're meditating on everything that could go wrong. We're meditating on fear. We're feeding ourselves with things that aren't from God. So, you know, can you worry? I mean, at some level, you do you. On the other hand, the Bible does tell us in Matthew 6, don't worry. Why? Because worry and fear are kind of like siblings. They go together. When we are having fear suppressed inside of us when we're unsure does God care about us are we a worthwhile person to exist are we someone that's worth being invested in you know whatever the the neurotic thoughts that we have when it's late in the evening or when you're hungry or feeling lonely or whatever in those moments that fear is conjuring up worship that's demonic I'm not trying to say that you are demonic when you're thinking that. I'm just saying that's the atmosphere that's being produced around you. Again, I'm not saying that means you're possessed if you worry. What I'm saying is it's not in the kingdom. It's not in God's kingdom. So when we're rehearsing in our minds, what we need to do is renew our minds to meditate on the goodness of God and on what our life would look like when we let go of worry and fear and everything that it's suppressing deep inside of us. This is a long process, I'll just be honest with you, but it is an absolutely worthwhile one. So how do you do this? Let's get super practical for a moment. One of the things that I like to do is in my journal from time to time, I like to list out the fears that I'm believing or that I'm feeling. Um, It comes in different ways. Like here's a great one that we all have lurking in us, or at least a lot of us do. It's the foreboding sense of doom that's coming. It's that feeling that things have been going really well for me. And at any point now, the rug is going to get pulled out. Things have been, you know, things have been looking up. God's been good. And so I'm just looking around the corner to see what's coming to knock me over. That foreboding sense of doom is not from God. That's one of the ways that fear hides inside of us and it masks itself as something else. Because we can say all day long, I'm not afraid. I know in my mind, I'm not supposed to be afraid. But our actions tell a different story. So I like to list it out. What are the things that I'm actually feeling afraid of? And then I take those straight to the throne of God. And I just say, listen, Lord, I need your help because I don't want to partner with my flesh. I don't want to partner with darkness. I want to be living my life patterned off of you. So teach me how to get rid of my fear. Teach me how to genuinely trust you. Teach me how to remember the times that you've been faithful so that I can have trust in that place. And when trust grows in your heart, fear becomes less. Why? Because they're sitting, they're stored in the same place. It's like a zero sum. There's only so much room in there. So when you put more trust in God in that place, the byproduct is the fear begins to go away. It's my goal at some point to have a completely fearless life, at least when it comes to things of God, that I would really genuinely be childlike in that way, just absolutely trusting him. I'll leave you with this last thought. I think we all can agree, at least if you, if you are reading these scriptures and meditating on what the Bible says about perfect love, casting out fear, and that there is no fear in God's kingdom. The only fear that's there is the fear that comes from reverence. And it's not the same kind of fear as the other. So Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's true. When we revere God as the supreme, as the central thing of our lives, there is this sort of reverence there that is a type of fear. It's a nuance like we talked about at the beginning. But all the rest of the fear, it doesn't exist. So we have this thought that in the natural, I feel afraid. And I heard Graham Cook say this recently, and it kind of knocked me on my feet. And he made this comment he said, why would we want it if it's in the natural? If it's not what God's best is, then why are we okay with that? Whew. That's, I guess, my question to you and to me, for that matter, listening to this. If fear is not from God, then why do we want it? Maybe this is your year to let go of fear, to be able to let those protective defense mechanisms down between you and the Lord, to be able to rebuild trust. I know for some of us, you're saying that's not happening until God answers me why he didn't do this or he didn't do that. And that's fair. There is a thing called understanding. There's seven spirits of God listed in Isaiah and in Revelation, and one of them is called understanding. And what that means is that God cares that you understand him. It matters to him. But then there's also this interesting verse in Philippians that says there is a peace that surpasses understanding. So when we don't understand, we can actually still come into a greater revelation of who God is and experiencing his peace. So they go hand in hand. You may not have had understanding yet. And that might be why it's hard for you to trust God. And my recommendation for you would be to start slow but to pick one thing and to begin to ask God, would you bring your understanding, bring your spirit of understanding into my life so that I can have your revelation and your perspective of what was going on in this situation that was so difficult for me. We all have it. In fact, I'm going to plug my book one more time. Um, If you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, I've got a lot of those situations, get my book. It's available on Amazon. It's called You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It by Rachel Wortman. And the book is all about how do you do that? How do you practically let go of the past, the disappointments, the hurts, and learn to trust God again? It's a great resource for this very topic to unmask fear and kick it out the door. So I don't know about you, but I'm committed to becoming fearless, to having less fear in my life. And I hope after this, you're inspired to do the same. Until next time, be blessed.